This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. And now your host, he is ready for the summer. He's my dad, Brandon Merton. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to the Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, and it's my goal here on the podcast to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your chamber members and your community. Our title sponsor is Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions. Let's hear from Jason Mock, President and CEO of the San Marcos Area Chamber, to learn how the Holman Brothers have provided value for his chamber. Two years ago, we brought in Holman Brothers to help our organization go to that next level. And in those two years, our team has transformed the way that we think about sponsorships and non-dues revenue. And I would really encourage you, if you're looking to take your chamber to the next level, to bring on the Holman Brothers. You can learn more about Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions by visiting holmanbros.com. Successful membership salespeople are problem solvers. They ask better questions, uncover more problems, and pinpoint how their chamber can help. It's how they consistently drive better membership sales outcomes. Here's the hurdle. Most membership salespeople don't get enough coaching to recruit like this. Holman Brothers Next Level Coaching supplies the year-round guidance that your membership rep needs to drive growth for your chamber. Visit holmanbros.com slash next level to learn more and request a free trial of next level coaching. Our guest for this episode is Bill Connors. Bill has been the president and CEO of the Boise Metro Chamber of Commerce since June of 2009. Prior to coming to Idaho, Bill had broad national experience in the travel, aviation, and convention industries. He was executive director of the world's largest business travel organization, the Global Business Travel Association, from 2002 to 2009. Prior to that post, he was a senior executive for the American Society of Travel Agents and the Travel Institute. President George W. Bush appointed Bill to two key aviation panels in Washington, D.C., the Aviation Security Advisory Committee and the FAA's Next Gen Air Transportation System Council. Bill served on the National Board of Directors for the Convention Industry Council, the Travel Business Roundtable, and the Travel Institute. He designed and authored the National Travel Agency Proficiency Exam, or TAP test, used throughout North America today. He was a key advisor on Marriott Hotel's Sales Specialist Program and the Certified Travel Counselor Associate designations. He has been on the Board of Governors for, of the Alexandria, Virginia Convention Visitor Bureau and a member of the GBTA's Sports Travel Council. He is a longtime member of the Meeting Professionals International and the American Society of Association Executives. As a national spokesman on travel industry issues, he's been featured in or on ABC World News Tonight, CNN, CNBC, the USA Today, the New York Times, the LA Times, and the Wall Street Journal. He's frequently testified before the United States Congress on travel industry issues. Locally, Bill was appointed by Vice Chairman of the Boise Airport Commission in 2013. He also participates on the Boise Chambers Travel Industry Board. He serves on the board of Boise Convention Visitors Bureau, the Pacific Northwest Chapter of ASTA, and is a member of Sky International Boise. 
He is a member of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Committee of 100 and has served on the board of ACCE. In 2018, he was elected to the board of the United States Travel Association. In 2020, he was appointed by the Idaho Senate to the Idaho Intrastate Air Service Committee. He was named CEO of Influence by the Idaho Business Review, and the chamber has been named one of the top 10 places to work in Idaho for four years by the same publication. He's a graduate of St. Lawrence University and holds four master's degrees. Bill, I'm excited to have you with me today here on Chamber Tap Podcast. Uh, If you would take a moment to say hello to all the chamber champions that are listening and go ahead and share something interesting about yourself so we can continue to get to know you a little bit better. Sure. Well, thank you, Brandon. It's it's an honor and a pleasure to be with you. And I appreciate what you do for the chamber industry uh, by getting the word out there. Um, Something interesting that doesn't show up on that very long resume you just read. Um, I'm I'm kind of a minor league baseball kook, uh, baseball kook in general, but uh, I've been to all the major league stadiums and and I'm up to 225 minor league ballparks across the country. And whilst it's a odd and somewhat obsessive hobby, it has taken me to places I normally wouldn't go. And every city has got something interesting going on. I mean, normally I, don't, I wouldn't plan necessarily a trip to go to Fargo, North Dakota. Yeah. But I wanted to go see the ballpark in Fargo and you discover Fargo is kind of a cool little town and they've got a cool little downtown going on there. And as a chamber guy, as a Metro chamber guy now, uh, my hobby, I can almost claim as research because I, I check out cities and see <laughs> what some are doing well and what some are not doing so well. And, you know, a lot of cities have the same issues that we have and it's, So it's a fun hobby, but it's also sort of uh, increased my portfolio of knowledge about metro areas across the country. So it's it's been fun. And my wife puts up with it. Uh, She's been to quite a few herself, but uh, she's happy to let me go. And I let her go on some girl trips and that's it all works. Yeah. Now you you beat me to it as far as learning about those communities too, where those ballparks are, because sure. there's a, a lot of research that goes on there. And and I'm sure you can explain that to your accountant. You know, it, it's research. <laughs> I haven't been successful in that particular no, not yet. To no. write it off. <laughs> no, that's good. That is a, a good, good pastime and a lot of uh Fun. I, I personally like those minor league ballparks and you see a lot of uh, personality in them, I'll say, as you as you travel around and see those. So. Well, you see families. And, and like I say, you get to know the composition of a, of a city, even a place like Las Vegas, where you go to the minor league park and you actually see people you don't see on the strip. You see families, the people who work in Las Vegas. And it's uh, you know, it gives you a whole different picture of, of every city USA. That's right. Well, before we get into our topic today, I'd like to have you give a little bit of background about your chamber, um, about the, the Boise Metro Chamber. Just give us an idea of, you know, size, budget, staff, just to give some perspective before we jump into our discussion today. Sure. Well, the Boise Metro Chamber is almost 150 years old. We are older than the state of Idaho. We, we predate statehood. So we've been around for quite a while. Um, I've got about 2,000 
uh, separate business members, and they represent about 250,000 employees. Um, and like a lot of Metro Chambers, I've got big Fortune 500 companies, and I've got the little sandwich shop down the road. Um, Size-wise, as far as staff goes, uh, there's about 14 members of the chamber staff. Uh, we also have, we're, we're a consolidated chamber. We also have the Convention Visitors Bureau with us, and we also have the Economic Development, Regional Economic Development Agency with us. So total, we've got about uh, 28, 29 staff here. All right. Well, that, that does help give some perspective, especially you know, being more regional and, and having the, the economic development and tourism and everything under that umbrella as well. It's a unique characteristic and, and some definite advantages that come with that and being able to leverage some of those different things. But um, for our topic for discussion today, we've settled on the, the, uh, the topic of being the same center which I'm looking forward to getting into this discussion with you, especially with what today's you know, political climate looks like. I think this is a very timely topic to discuss. So we'll, we'll get into that as soon as we get back from this quick break. Are you looking for a year-round affordable and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat Shop Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar. Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a Small Business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Chambers of Commerce have been around for over 400 years promoting communities all over the world, but today so much is found digitally that Chamber Nation believes it's critical that there is a custodian of local digital information. They believe the Chamber is in a perfect position to be that organization. Chamber Nation provides an amazing membership management system you use to manage the Chamber and the community. They also deliver a complete membership development system that they manage for you to be sure your membership community is fully documented for search and much more. Essentially, Chamber Nation delivers an entire membership support department, which is perfect for those Chambers with a limited budget that needs to do more. With Chamber Nation, not only do you have a membership management system, but also a membership development system all in one terrific package. So save money and be impressed by visiting richardscalendar.com to set up a demo with their CEO or learn more at chambernation.com. All right, Bill, we are back. Um, so as I mentioned before the break, we're focusing our discussion about Chambers being the SANE Center. And we hear that saying quite often throughout Chamber World, um, but I think in practice, it, be, it, it can become very difficult 
when you, especially when you have very polarizing points of view on either side. Um, I know you guys have introduced a, a program there at your chamber where you can kind of address this head on. Why don't you take a few minutes and, and tell us about that program and, and kind of how that's developed? Sure. We, uh, during the pandemic, you know, when a lot of things were getting uh, pretty dicey politically, uh, not just here, but everywhere, you know, mask mandate versus not mask mandate, uh, people just generally uh, becoming nasty to each other about things. And you would think at a moment in time like that, the country would unify itself a little bit, but um, we didn't see that. So uh, one of our members uh, who is a former state legislator who now runs uh, an association called the uh, Association of Idaho Cities uh, talked to us and said, you know, we need to do something to try to create some civility not just at the state house, but you know, within our own lives. So we started a, a series, a web series called "In Search of Civility," whereby we had we invited people from both parties, talked about one particular issue, and let the Republican have their five minutes of "Here's what I think." Let the Democrat have "Here's what I think," um, and maybe have a more conservative Republican, here's what I think, and a more liberal Democrat, here's what I think, and just let them sort of go at it. And by the end of each one of these broadcasts, we we had moderators that would sort of bring people to the center and say, you know, there are things you can agree on around this issue. What are those things? And like you said, how do we get to that sane center? because that's where I think most Americans are. It's just the far ends of the political spectrum seem to have the loudest voices right now. So it was our attempt to give voice more to the sane center, uh, that messy middle, uh, if, if you will. And it was highly successful. We had, uh, we didn't have any problems getting people to sponsor that. We, uh, we had tons of listeners every week. And again, when you're talking about touchy issues, everybody wants to tune in and hear what's going on. That's why so, news channels do so well, yeah, right? Is they, they're, exactly. they're polarized. So they do it for the yeah. negative emotions where you guys are Absolutely. taking the polarizing for a positive purpose, which, yeah, that would sell sponsorships. Absolutely. And, and again, I think what it did is at least bring some legislators who were warring against each other uh, to the table to at least talk about uh, why they feel the way they feel and and learn a little about them as human beings. Uh, that's the other sad thing both I saw in Washington in my time there and in any state capital is it's become so polarized people don't talk to each other anymore. They don't go out and have lunch together anymore. And if you, if you know people's families and, and you know who they are, uh, you're less likely to get nasty behind the scenes. And uh, again, this was our small little attempt to, again, try to carve out some sanity in some of these touchy discussions. And, and again, it was uh, very, very popular and we're going to keep doing it. And I think that's so key for chambers, especially in today's world with social media and everything. You can watch news channels and, and jump on one side of the boat you know, left or right, 
And then you follow a group on Facebook that's like-minded. And even if you don't follow the group, those algorithms are going to put that more of what you agree with in front of you. Right. And it makes everybody that sees things, sees the world differently than you to be wrong. And right. it, it's not a matter of right or wrong necessarily as it's different perspective. And as that happens, it separates people to where you're not talking to one another about the real issues because you're only talking to others that are like-minded and that causes even more of that division. Um, I'm curious what some of these topics were. If, if you can just you know, name off some of these topics that you guys covered in this uh, In Search of Civility series. Sure. Uh, a lot of it around the, the COVID mandates. Um, you know, we, we were a fairly open state, uh, but some on the far right felt we weren't open enough and requiring masks and the whole nine yards um, and pushing against that. And others, of course, were on the other side of it. And like you said, our, our whole purpose was to try to try to have Fox News meet CSNBC on our little program. And that's yeah. what it provided. It provided, here's my rationale for why I think this way. Um, and, and we tackled all sorts of issues that pop up in our legislature, just like I think it pop up in your Texas legislature. You know, there's there's gun control issues. There are uh, just issues of every kind, particularly social issues that get people wound up. Um, but again, the, I think the pandemic probably pitted more people against how are you going to regulate health? You know, we, we had discussions around who's got the authority, our, our, our health districts or the governor or the legislature, um, and, and who, who really are the authorities? Uh, do we trust the doctors and the healthcare industry that's, you know, to me, the experts? Or do we listen to the extremes on both sides? So, so yeah, lots and lots of different issues. Um, but again, the point is, let's hear both sides, try to get people to at least know who the other person is um, and get them talking. And I got to admit, and I don't think it has much to, to do with us, but this legislative session was much tamer uh, than the last one, than last year's. And I, I can't say that we can take credit for that, but if we moved the needle even a little bit, um, that's a good thing. I was going to ask what sort of outcomes you saw from that. Hopefully that was an outcome from this, but maybe before I ask that question, was this um, on YouTube or what What platform did you use to facilitate the, the show, the series? Yeah. It was on all of our social networks, YouTube, Facebook, the whole nine yards. Uh, we used a service called uh, StreamYard. And um, yeah, and like I said, the viewership was was pretty significant. Uh, and again, while we were, a lot of chambers were kind of shut down in terms of doing events, we created a lot of online kind of programming. Um, not just this programming, which we, again, we're pretty proud of, but but hundreds of programs uh, about how to utilize the federal resources that are coming in. We didn't want to be one of these 
places that just posted the federal regulations on here's how do you apply for a PPP loan. We had experts get on Zoom calls and explain here's how you can get your application to the top of a bank's uh, inbox. You know, going through practically and explaining how to how to fill things out. Uh, because again, if you're just posting regs, who's, who's got the expertise to read through that stuff. So again, using the, using zoom and using social media, uh, we took full advantage of that during the last couple of years. Uh, but I'm happy to say we're, we're doing events again and we, we, we will have one of for 600 people next week. So we're back in business. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's a brave thing when you go into the world of social media and, you know, put this type of content out there because it's open up to, you know, comments and criticism and sharing and, you know, whatever else that, that goes on there. Um, did you have yeah. to do any sorts of controls or moderation or how did you approach that? <laughs> yeah, we, we had a pretty tech savvy moderator. And, and if you were able to read everything in the chat, you, it wouldn't be in a pretty sight, some of it. And we were, we were able to edit out some of the bad stuff. Um, but again, that, that our purpose isn't to highlight the extremes. It's to highlight that. How do we get to the middle ground? So, um, while I didn't think we were censoring anything, uh, we also didn't want the conversations to break down into ugly feuds. Uh, that wasn't the purpose of the thing. So you can take the most ugliest comments and they can be one of your next guests. You know, oh, you just pit yeah. them against somebody from the opposite <laughs> side. And Well, yeah, man, we did a little bit of that. Yeah. 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 It, it's just, it's a never ending supply of content. That's for sure. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so is this a, a, are you guys continuing the In Search of Civility program or is that something that was more focused during the COVID times or? No, we're going to continue. It? We're going to continue it. And um, as a matter of fact, we're giving one of our highest awards to, to uh, this gal I mentioned earlier, a former legislator who came up with this idea. Um, and we're giving her a big award on Tuesday just to highlight the, that particular program. So we'll keep it, keep it going. That's great. I know there's a, a former a, a coworker that I've you know, talked with a lot. We you know, see things very differently politically, but things never get ugly between us when we talk because we're able to be civil about it. We're able to recognize you have your view of the world. I have my view. And there is a lot more that overlaps than what doesn't overlap. And to be able to help bring up that common ground and uh, really just elevate society in general. And unfortunately, these social media companies, the new major news outlets, they've got so much control over our attention that it just steals our attention away to, to all this negative. So the more you know, positive discussions, um, positive you know, unity that we can provide is so important. And chambers are that place to be that same center. And and they say that's that's how you know if you're being successful, right? Is if the far right thinks you're too liberal and the far left thinks you're, you know, way too conservative, then you're doing a good job. Yeah. Well, no matter where you stand on an issue, you're going to lose a couple people on either side. That's uh, right. And sometimes that's hard for me to fathom, but that's the nature of the business. Yeah. So have any of the discussions or outcomes from these discussions? Um, 
help project anything as far as advocacy goes from your, your efforts there? Well, yeah, like I said, the, uh, this legislative, legislative session was a lot tamer. We had a lot of what we called crazy bills that appeared. And most of those were shot down by our, uh, the, the Senate, uh, which is a little more rational and, um, we were able to to stop some of the really crazy stuff, um, you know, that we had a, and it, not all of it was about the pandemic. I mean, they're, like I said, touchy issues, whether it's critical race theory being taught in the universities, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, we killed a lot of those crazy bills. And I, again, I can't, we can't take credit for our little, uh, our little program, but the discussions at the legislature this year actually produced some bipartisan uh, agreements on some good things for business, which of course is what we're all about. Uh, we got both sides to agree on a personal income tax cut and a business tax cut. And at the same time, increased our education spending uh, to record levels this year uh, because we had a pretty nice surplus uh, going into this. So yeah, I think I think in general, um, good things happen when you can get people talking to each other. And as you've been talking about, just keep stressing the the majority of Idahoans, the majority of Americans are somewhere in that middle. They're not okay. way out on the fringes, even though the fringes might be the loudest. Most of us are in the middle, and that's where you get stuff done. And we got stuff done this year. That's great. Yeah. And then the, the trick is, you know, it tends to be the fringes that show up to vote. So how do you get that, that segment of the population that doesn't show up to vote or to, to share their opinion, to voice their, to, to share their voice? How do you get them engaged? To yeah. And, that, and that's part of what we do too. We, we do uh, candidate forums. We do uh, a lot of voter education kinds of things. But you're right, there's a, you know, it, it's almost shameful. I, you look at the percentage of voters in the, in the primary elections, which here in Idaho uh, become particularly important. Uh, whoever wins the Republican primary in many areas of the state becomes the candidate. Um, and very few, you know, I think it's 17, 18% of the people who are eligible vote in primaries. Uh, but this is a big one this year for us. And I, I think we're going to have our governor has a primary challenge. Our lieutenant governor has a primary challenge. Our state school superintendent has a primary challenge. Our secretary of state has a primary challenge. Our attorney general has a primary challenge. So when those big statewide offices show up, uh, we make a point of, of, hey, this is one of the most important elections we'll have uh in, in a decade so at least as far as idaho is concerned so get out there and vote on may 17th which is our primary day yeah so we currently as we're talking right now we have a, a school bond election going on in our area and and we're in a small community in north texas uh, just outside of dallas and our area has just been exploding with new growth and a lot of people from out of state moving here. And we have a very small school district and 
there's a big need to accommodate, you know, all the classrooms are already full. So this bond is being proposed and it's a, I think it's a $380 million bond. I mean, something, it's a big amount of money. And my wife happens to work for the school district. So some of the early numbers they could say, I mean, you don't get all the data, but when they're as of about three days ago, there had been 500 votes cast in total. And those 500 votes are dictating $380 million worth of bonds. And then only about 80% of those votes were people that have no affiliation with the school district. So they don't work for the school. They don't have kids in the school. They don't have, and it's like, I don't know what you do to get people engaged to vote for what matters, you know, show up because it matters either way, you know, on a bond issue, a state, you know, elections, you know, senates, governors, uh, national elections, it all matters. And to get them to see, you know, especially the things on your community level, this is going to affect property taxes. Like you need to voice your opinion. You need to go cast your votes. So. Well, you guys in Texas are going through what we're going through, and that is, you know, thousands and thousands of people moving in uh, a lot from California. Um, We have on the average of 75 people a day moving into the Boise metro. Uh, The majority of those are from California. The rest are from Seattle, uh, the Bay Area, um, L.A. And you're right. I mean, it's... um, we have to rebuild our infrastructure to accommodate all these, whether it's schools, roads, transit, you name it. And, you know, the natives get restless. Yeah. Uh, let's face it. But, you know, it's part of the, our job as chambers to let people know that, hey, growth is not necessarily a bad thing. Yes, your property tax will probably look a little different, but so does the value of your home all of a sudden. Uh, you have some wealth equity that you didn't have, you know, five years ago. Uh, and I know that's hard to tell somebody who's living on a fixed income, but um, that's one of the issues, by the way, that, you know, we, I really think we've got to rethink how we fund public education. Um, you know, it, it, here, a lot of it depends on property tax, but our legislature also uh, more than half our budget goes to public education. Um, and I, and I, I just think we have to rethink how we fund it. And one of the things we did this year, and, and it was one of those bipartisan agreements was offer every school district in the state of Idaho, offer all the teachers to go on the state's, uh, medical benefit plan, which is much more robust, robust than some of the local districts can afford. Mm -hmm and really was a boon to local school districts in terms of affordability, because benefit packages are one of the biggest cost centers for for any school district. And with the state uh, stepping in to really lower rates uh, significantly, it meant thousands of dollars to every single teacher's uh, benefit package. Um, And that was a bill that everybody agreed on, on both sides. Uh, for the very issue that you're talking about, you know, eventually what you're looking at is, hey, maybe we don't have to go out for a bond if we can successfully fund schools in a creative way. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. But 
I wanted to, to ask you if you might have a tip or action item that you'd like to share for chamber champions listening to help take their chamber up to the next level. Well, I don't think uh, um, it'll be any surprise to anybody who of your listeners. Um, I think we as chambers are going to have to, at least in the next five to 10 years, really focus on workforce issues. Um, this you know, shortage of workers is everywhere uh, in every industry, and it's going to be a problem for us. And, and um, so, you know, talent retention, talent attraction, those are going to be key issues for us. That's, again, why we've invested a lot of uh, resource into some of our young professional programs, because I think uh, if you've got a good, effective young professional program, that is a talent retention tool. If you get people engaged, they're less likely to move from your community to another one. Um, and we have one of the largest young professional programs out there. So I think that's something that's got to be on all of our radars. And then here, uh, like I said, we're, we're fairly unique. There's only a handful of chambers that have all three entities under one roof, the Economic Development Group, um, the Convention Visitors Bureau, which we merged in with us uh, a few years ago. And I'll tell you, it's, it's, uh, it's good for two, two big reasons. One, the efficiency you get toward, from, for the community. You don't need three sets of accountants and three sets of receptionists and three buildings and three, you know, we, we think we give this community a lot more bang for the buck by consolidating. But what I see is more important is the synergy between the three groups, where in a lot of cities, those three groups are separate. They're all competing for the same resources and oftentimes are competing with each other. Um, and here, the strategic nature of getting all three of them to work together. I'll give you a classic example if, if we've got time. Here. Yeah. So my economic development guy, who's right down the hall, comes to me a couple of years ago and says, hey, we're getting a lot of inquiries about data centers coming to Idaho. And I said, why? Well, because Idaho's got plenty of water. We've got affordable electricity and we don't have natural disasters. And that's what they are looking for. And then I said, why aren't we getting them then? Mm -hmm. He says, well, what we don't have that 17 other states do have is a tax exemption on equipment. And these things are very equipment dependent. So the chamber guy and our advocacy group goes to the legislature, gets a bill passed to get a tax exemption on equipment. Then I walk down the hall to my convention visitors bureau gal and say, See if you can get the National Association of Data Center Managers Convention to come to Boise. Who better than to have 500 of those people walking around town? And sure enough, this year, we just got an announcement from Facebook. They're going to build a huge data center. But that's, that's three of the organizations all working together to get something done. Whereas I think in a lot of places, those organizations sort of compete not only for resource, but you know, trying to claim victory for one thing, but we're all in the same business. We're promoting our particular city or state. Uh, so, you know, my, my advice, and I know a lot of people don't like to hear this, but uh, work as closely as you can with your economic development guys and your, your convention and visitors bureau people. 
I think that's a great tip. It, you are able to, to get a lot more leverage and a lot more bang for your buck, as you're saying, by being able to combine those resources as much as possible. Um, so I like asking everyone this question. As we look to the future of Chambers of Commerce, how do you see the future of Chambers and their purpose going forward? Yeah, I think we're always going to be in the role of convener. And, you know, if we ever lose that, then I think we're in trouble. Um, a lot of what we, you and I just talked about, bringing people to the middle, that's the only way you get things done. And I think chambers have always got to play that role going forward. Uh, and, and like I said, the other thing is we really got to think harder about talent and how, how we're going to fill all these jobs uh, in the future and think about, you know, does everybody need a bachelor's degree uh, or can you, when you got people out there who, who go get their CDL license and can make a hundred thousand dollars a year driving a truck, maybe we gotta rethink about, you know, where, where we put our educational resources, our higher educational resources. So, Again, I think the chamber's roles will always be, uh, if, to be, to be effective, will be as conveners, bringing people to the middle and getting stuff done. I love it. So I wanted to give you a chance, Bill, to share any contact information for any listeners who might want to reach out and connect with you. And also, if they wanted to check out your In Search of Civility program, where can they find that as well? Yep, our, our website's www.boisechamber.org. And my email is B, as in Bill Connor, C O N N O R S, at boisechamber.org. Uh, yeah, happy to talk to anybody. And I, what, I, what I do love about this business, and as you said at the head of the program, I, I'm pretty active in uh, ACCE and the US Chamber, and I've gotten to know my counterparts all over the country. And we're very good at uh, stealing each other's ideas. And that's, uh, that's always a good thing. So. That's right. And I'll, I'll get this contact information in our show notes for this episode. But Bill, this has been a great discussion. I'm glad to have had you on the podcast and appreciate you sharing this example of, of establishing yourselves as that sane center and the place where all chambers really need to be residing. So thank you for that. Well, thank you very much, Brandon, and thanks for what you do for chambers all across the country. If you are a chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. Would you be interested in creating even more value from the processes that you're already doing on a daily basis? Swipe It has been one of my sponsors for Chamber Chat from the beginning. Swipe It provides credit card payment solutions that will save your chamber up to 40% on your processing fees. And Swipe It can integrate your credit card processing seamlessly into your existing membership software. Swipe It does not charge chambers to switch, and they will make switching simple. 
In addition to these savings, Swipeit has an affinity program for Chambers of Commerce so you can earn more non-dues revenue to support your budget. Learn more about Swipeit by requesting your free cost savings analysis and become more profitable today by visiting chamberchatpodcast.com slash cc, as in credit card. Again, that's chamberchatpodcast.com slash cc, and you can join many other chambers as you begin swiping with Swipeit.